All right, you can be opening up your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. We've been studying that, uh, actually, for probably, I guess, the last two quarters. And we'll continue through most of the winter quarter. Uh, we are now, what, two weeks, three weeks into the winter quarter. So, uh, and uh, we'll be finishing it up, hope, uh, within a few more weeks. But I hope it's been a good study. Um, as we've been kind of spending uh, several weeks in chapter 5 here, around just a few verses and we're going to continue that today to, to understand some things about what Paul has to say. And of course, the background is he's writing to the churches in Galatia that he helped to establish on his first missionary journey. And as he found out some things, as he went back and visited them, they found out some things had crept in. You know, you had those coming in saying, well, you still have to keep the law of Moses. You still have to be circumcised and so forth. And he, he had to explain to them, he had to tell them that we are free. We are free in Christ. We have liberty in Christ Jesus it's not about keeping the law, it's about living for him. And we don't have to be circumcised anymore. The, the law was there to teach us. The law was there to be a tutor, to show us what was right from wrong. And he listed some things, though, that he said after all that, where he's saying, you know, we have this freedom, but we cannot continue to do the works of the flesh. And he lists those there in chapter 5, right? He lists several things that if they are truly living free in Christ... They need to be putting off. They need to be setting aside. They need to be uh, doing away with, not participating in. And these are the works of the flesh that he listed. And one thing he had told them about in the past was that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, let's go back and read that there in chapter 5. Uh, let's just begin back in verse 19 again. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand. Just as I also told you in time past, this is not the first time, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was a very important theme in Paul's ministry. In fact, let's go back and just read how he taught some of that. Turn over to Acts, and let's look at some of the things he was preaching there in, in the book of Acts. Just around chapter 20, we'll be looking at chapter 21st, and just see what he had to say about that. <clears throat> chapter 20, and let's just begin in verse... Uh, 17 there kind of set that up he says from Miletus he had sent he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church and when they had come to him he said to them you know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you serving the Lord with all humility with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy 
and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Then turn over to chapter 28 there. See what he had to say about it. There's that, mentions that kingdom of God there. In verse 23, chapter 28, 23, he says, So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And then turn to uh, verse 30. He says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented home and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, with no one forbidding him. Paul talks about the kingdom of God. We could also go back and see what the Lord had to say about it. He mentions the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God many times, right? The kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of God, right? And so we know that's a very important subject. Paul expounds on that here in Galatians. And he refers to them, if they're care not careful, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So through that, we're going to look at a few questions today, right? That may beg a few questions. Perhaps you've pondered these in your own minds at times. Is, is, is the kingdom of God something that exists now? Or is it in the future? And that, that same verse there, how, how can we inherit or not inherit the kingdom of God. What, what exactly does that mean? Well, we're going to look at that a little bit. And first thing we're going to do is turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going, to, we're going to bounce around a little bit here to see some verses that he had referring to what is the kingdom of God. 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. And let's see what he says, beginning in verse uh, 10 there. He says, You are witnesses, and God also, how, de how, devoutly, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and changed every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you will walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So that's an interesting phrase, right? They were called, Paul saying those in Thessalonica were called into his kingdom. Okay, let's turn back over to Colossians chapter 1. See what we have there. Colossians chapter 1 and uh, verse 13. He says, he, referring to Christ, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of of the son of his love. So there's something there present, right? He's conveyed us as believers, talking to those in Colossae, the believers in Colossae, that they have been conveyed or been translated into the kingdom. Okay, so apparently that kingdom is going on. There's something about that, right? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12 and let's read something from there. Hebrews chapter 12. And let's begin in verse... Uh, 25. He says, See that you not, do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, 
Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Then turn over to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. First, that verse, both your, John says, but he was both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom. In other words, he's in it now. There's something in this kingdom. He's in the kingdom. They are in the kingdom. They're companions. They are suffering tribulation in the kingdom now. So this kingdom of God is apparently a present thing, is it not? It's something that the Christians Paul is talking to here are involved in, are part of, are servants in. And when you're in a kingdom, that alludes to what? There is a king, right? And he has servants. He has people that are part of that kingdom. And we know that to be Christ Jesus. I'm going to read a few verses as to who the people are. Romans 10 says, Those who have confessed Christ as Lord are recognizing Christ as king. That's Romans 10, verses 9 through 10. Psalm 110, They, they freely submit to the Lord in the day of his power. That's not necessarily talking about Jesus Christ, but it talks about who people are that are in a kingdom. They're submitting to the sovereignty of the one king. We don't have a king in this country, right? But out throughout history, the king had the power, right? He had the power of life in his hands. He could, with one switch of his hand, end your life, right? Didn't have a whole lot of say in it. Thus, the terms church and kingdom are often used interchangeably. Let's turn over to Matthew 16. See what the Lord had to say about that. Verse 18. Matthew 16, 18. And also, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then move down to verse uh, 24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. And assuredly I say to you, there are some standing here 
Wait a minute, what do you say? Surely I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. What? That's a powerful verse right there. He's telling his disciples that you guys are going to see the kingdom. It's coming. It's at hand. And some of you are right here are going to see it occur. So we're referring to a present state. The kingdom is here. It's now. It's continuing. And it's referred to as the church here on earth. The church was something that Jesus spoke to Peter about. The comments he made are, are uh, to all the disciples, to all of us. And turn over to, well, just turn over to Colossians 1 real quick and let's see what he said about that. Actually, not Colossians, I'm sorry. Turn over to Ephesians 1 and let's just see what's, what's in there. Ephesians 1, verse, beginning of verse 22. <clears throat> and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. This is talking about Christ Jesus, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The kingdom of God reaches not just believers, it reaches all. But it benefits those who are constituents of the kingdom, who are servants. Interesting concept, right? In one sense, the kingdom of God is clearly present. And then we do have references to the kingdom of God being future, though. And we'll get into that. In fact, when we studied, we had a study, I don't know, it's been probably, what, a couple years ago now? We talked about the end times, right? And what the different beliefs are about the end times, right? And you have the premillennialists, the amillennialists, you know, all these things, and there's different views on when Christ is going to return and what's going to happen and how long he's going to be here. And one of the things that a premillennialist particularly would tell you is the kingdom has not come. And they'll tell you that when Jesus Christ came, he came to Judah, the house of Judah, to save the Jews. They rejected him. Therefore, instead of staying on earth, he set up his church send it back to heaven to come again later. Interesting concept. They'll show you lots of verses to describe that, but I don't see them getting past Matthew 16, 28, where he says, some of you standing here today will see the kingdom come. So I have a major problem with that, right? But that's what a lot of people will tell you, that the kingdom is not present, the kingdom is future. The church is not the kingdom, not part of the kingdom. It has not come yet. I'll throw that out there. It's not that that's really anything you have to worry about other than the fact that if you're talking with someone who does believe that, you need to be able to make an argument, right? Defend your faith. And when you defend your faith in some things and can prove that out and show what the scripture truly says, then that is gonna help you prove it out in other things like what is the truth about the first principles? How are you becoming a Christian? How are you to become a Christian? All those things play into that, right? So that's something to think about, something to consider. But we do have references to the kingdom being future. Turn over to Matthew chapter 13, and let's see what's said there. 
Matthew chapter 13, and uh, beginning in verse 37, he says, He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. We read about the end times there in the parable of the tares. Turn over to chapter 25. Beginning in verse 31. He says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, and he will set the sheep on his right, on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. He's describing the judgment, the kingdom in the future there, right? That they're going to be either added to or not. Well, Paul references in Acts 14 where he says, he talks about Christians being steadfast and holy and continuing in the faith that they might inherit the kingdom. Also expounding on the hope of resurrection. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. See what's said there. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 7. Now therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, it's something that they're going to inherit because they were washed no longer participating, no longer participating in the lives that they had. Also, Peter it talks about this. Turn over to Second Peter, and let's just see what he says about the future kingdom, beginning in verse chapter one and verse ten. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Peter, Paul, the Lord talk about the future kingdom to come. And so there is a sense that it is both present and future, right? The kingdom of God is still in the future and that's when the judgment is to come. We are part of the kingdom now. But the judgment has not come. He is going to return and judge all those in the world. We just saw that in the parable of the tares, how that's going to happen. So the kingdom is both present and future. 
It's found wherever people recognize the sovereignty of Jesus. As Christians, we recognize him as king, right? We recognize him as our authority. Turn over to Luke chapter 17. Let's see some verses from there. Verse 20, Luke 17, verse 20. It says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for the kingdom of God is within you. Interesting concept, right? That says the kingdom is within us. It's present. It's here now. Christ is reigning in his kingdom, but remember, where is the temple now? It's not in Jerusalem anymore. It's been destroyed. It is now within us, right? Christ reigns in our hearts and our soul. He's in his kingdom. We are part of that kingdom through our belief in him, right? Different concept. It's not something that you can just see. And remember what Jesus said when Pilate asked him, are you a king? And he says, I am. And he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Very different, right? This rule of kingdom was inaugurated when? Acts 2.36 tells us on Pentecost it happened. That's when he, Peter made the Greek sermon. He says, God has made Jesus both, both Lord and Christ at that time. He is now the ultimate authority. He's now reigning in his kingdom. The rule or kingdom will be culminated with the coming of the Lord. We know that. We know that throughout Scripture. Don't have to really tell you that. It will be a heavenly and everlasting kingdom, obviously. But it's only going to be enjoyed by those who submit to God's will today. And that's how we are to see the kingdom in the church here. The kingdom of God relates to the rule of God in the person of Jesus Christ today. Right? If you can't accept that, I guess you consider yourself an outcast, right? In any kingdom, if someone did not honor the rule of the king, what would happen to them? They're cast out, or they're killed, or whatever, put in prison, right? In our text, Peter and Paul, Paul evidently has the future blessings of the kingdom of mind. He's concerned that the Galatians will indeed not inherit the kingdom of God if they continue to participate in the works of the flesh. Now, I know that sounds pretty simple, right? If you don't do what he says, you're not going to get the reward, right? <clears throat> so, what's that mean then to inherit the future kingdom? Well, first of all, we got to be born again. John 3, the great uh, discussion with Jesus, talking uh, about how one has to be born again of the water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. Reference to baptism, first being born of the Spirit and the water, Spirit doing the work, right? We must be washed, sanctified, and justified, just like we read there in 1 Corinthians 6, where he talks about many of those who are now in the kingdom, the church, were washed, sanctified, set apart, justified, made whole because of their belief and their obedience to that gospel. And he lists all these things that he lists in Galatians here, the works of the flesh that they had been part of, many of them had been part of, 
say that's all been done away with. The righteous will not inherit the king, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of the earth. But the righteous have to be washed and sanctified. Another reference to baptism, in which our sins are washed away at baptism. We're made a new man, Romans 6. We raise up to walk in newness of life. And we must put aside the works of the flesh. <clears throat> Let's go read, well, I've read those in Galatians. Let's go over to Ephesians 5 and read what he said there. How he, can, how he does that one. <clears throat> beginning in verse, uh, Ephesians 5, let's just begin in verse 1. He says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks, for this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with him. And let's continue on there in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever, for whatever makes manifest is light. You being part of the kingdom in the present, which is very true, become that light to the world. All right. As you put off the works of the flesh, and after, uh, by the way, next week we're not going to meet. We're not going to be having class. I don't know if you've all heard that yet. Uh, we're, since that is Christmas Day, we are not going to have class. We'll have worship at the regular time, just to give everyone a little more time to have time to spend with their families that morning. So we won't continue class until uh, well New Year's Day, and so you need to be in bed by 10, 8, 10 p.m. on New Year's Eve, so you can be here for my class. All right. No, just kidding, but <coughs> we will begin looking at the fruit of the Spirit and the contrast there, right? And we'll have about, I think it's, I think it's, uh, actually that'll be the one Sunday to the next Sunday, it'll be charge weekend, so after that, so during January we'll be looking at the fruit of the Spirit. That'll be a great study because we're going to contrast the difference when someone who is participating in the works of the flesh as opposed to living in the Spirit and what the production, what comes from that, right? going to be a good study. We are servants of the kingdom. Uh, we are uh, humble children of God. We serve a king who is reigning in heaven and will continue in this everlasting kingdom. It's going to be forever. I know we can't fathom that in the flesh. You can't fathom something that just lasts forever. In this world, everything has an end, right? Except, what is it, taxes? You always don't have taxes, right? Or what's the phrase? The only thing that doesn't change is death and taxes. You always have death and taxes, yeah. Point being, it's going to be forever. And you want to be in the kingdom. You don't want to be outside the kingdom that's going to last forever. That's not a good thing. So, what does that mean? 
for us to be in the kingdom. Well, obviously, you've got to be born again. You have to put aside the works of the flesh. And turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. Interesting, right? We got a lot of people in the world today that say, Lord, Lord, don't they? But then you look at how they're living and you kind of wonder, wait a minute, something's not connected here. Something's out of sync, right? And I'm not saying... You need to be judgmental, but you can discern things, right? You have a mind, and if you're living in the Spirit, you can discern things. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You see that? We talked about how it's in the soul, it's in the heart. Right? It's not just saying something. It's not just doing stuff. Yeah, you need to be doing those things. You need to be saying stuff. But you can do those things without any love, right? With a dark heart. You can go through the motions. A lot of marriages today, right? Got people going through the motions, right? Hopefully not any of you. But you probably know some folks that are kind of living like that. You can participate and not really be there, right? You know how that goes until you've given your life over to him completely and you are truly a servant a citizen of the kingdom you might need to be a little worried how do you know it's going to be those who've actually done the father's will and that's something we're going to look at when we talk about the fruit of the spirit why do we do the father's will because of that love for him and what he did for us Matthew 7 there tells us, you know, those who love the Lord and do his will are going to be inheriting that future kingdom. But remember when we read John and we studied John, we talked about that abundant life you now can have through your belief in him. You can have that joy, a peace that surpasses all understanding, that the world does not understand, that the world thinks is stupid, silly. You know, why, why, do you, why don't you get invented? Go out and have some fun. You're only going to be here for a little while. Remember, the kingdom of God is both present and future. Both can be at the same time there. Yeah, we are living in the kingdom of heaven now that started at Pentecost. There were those, the disciples, who saw it come just like Jesus said that would. And now Jesus is reigning in his kingdom in heaven. Remember, it's both present and the future manifestation and blessings will be experienced when Christ comes again. 
and it's going to be glorious. So much so that there's no way we can describe what that's going to be like. You can try to put it into words, but we just don't know. All we know is it's going to be great. To inherit the kingdom, we must submit to the rule of king in our lives in the presence. And if you've not done that, well, today's as good as any. I mean, this is the present, and this is the day to do it. Got to be born again, water and spirit. Got to be washed, sanctified, and justified. And then only then, by putting off the works of the flesh, will you have the opportunity to inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's what Paul's talking about here. He's trying to get that point across, just like he has many times before. Can you imagine what that was like for Paul, you know? I mean, he's, he's very patient. I'm, I know that. He, he had to be. But you go out and you help establish these congregations, these churches on that first missionary journey. You're, you're preaching the gospel, the kingdom of God, and many souls are coming to him and being saved. But then he finds out after he left, stuff's crept in. And they're kind of backsliding, right? They're getting out, away from it. They're getting into things that he has tried to teach them. No! And he wants them to understand if you continue in these things, you're not going to be with us in heaven. I want you to be there. I worked the labor of love to bring you to the Lord and I don't want you to lose that. I'm sure Paul felt, I mean, you know, grave. Um, I'm sure that was depressing to him, very tough. You know, you go out, think about that with someone maybe you've converted or, or someone in your family, you know? And they drifted away. That's hard on you, isn't it? Especially if it's your child, who you try to raise up in the nurturing and admonition of the Lord, right? I know you got some. I know there's some out there. Probably just about every family got somebody that you know are not living the way they should be. And they know better. And there's nothing I can do about it. I've tried, right? So I imagine Paul felt like that with these churches. That's why he's so adamant about it, right? He's telling them, look, you have great freedom. Don't listen to these Judaizing teachers who are trying to tell you something different. Who's trying to tell you something that's not part of the reason why Jesus Christ came here. But don't get involved with it. Don't let that allow yourself to go back to the way you were before. Put those things away. Talked many times, Christianity, a life in Christ, a walk in Christ is a growth process, right? You begin there when you become that new person in Christ. You're a babe for the most part. Yeah, you might say, well, I, I've been in church all my life. I, you know, I was pretty mature to begin with. Well, okay, fine. You still got to be growing, though. And, of course, we talk about how that's done, right? You're in the kingdom. You grow. You got to grow. You got to be in prayer. You got to be in the Word. And you got to be in service. All those things. That's how you grow. That's how you become more mature. That's how you work to put off the things of the flesh and to live in the Spirit. And we're going to look at, that's how you produce fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. In fact, 
if you continue to grow and continue to live in the Spirit and put these things off, you're going to produce fruit. Can't help it. It's going to happen. When you're part of the vine, you're going to produce fruit. That's what God, I mean, that's what Christ is referencing when he talks about that in John. It's what Paul's talking about and living in the Spirit. Interesting concept. I hope all of you are getting it. And if you're not putting things off, man, we're here to help you. We're here to help you get back to where you need to be. Get back walking in the light, growing, living in the freedom of Christ Jesus and the Spirit that was provided for your help. Joy's thing. All right. Happy holidays. Thanks for being here.